All right. Hey, let's turn to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 14 today. We're actually going to finish 1 John today. If it's the last thing I do. I might be, you might, we might be here for five hours, but it's okay. Um, but what a cool book. If you guys weren't here last week, it's kind of, I kind of started to end first John last week and, uh, and I only got two points in. So those two points last week, um, go hand in hand with the points this week, but essentially John's just wrapping up this letter that has been such a rich time for us to look into being in fellowship with God, turning away from our sin, turning away from the crazy world that we live in, uh, and just understanding who God is, who Jesus is. Uh, John doesn't want anybody to be confused about that. That was the whole point of his letter to this church, was saying, this is who we are as Christians. Church, this is who we are. This is who we're not. And don't get those things mixed up. Don't get confused by the false teachers that are coming in and and spewing garbage that's not true. Don't get caught up in what's going on in the world. Just focus on what we know from the Bible. Focus on what you know, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so we looked last week, uh, really... Again, chapter five just talks about some review. He's just giving review points and saying, these are some things you can be clear about as Christian brothers and sisters. These are some confidences we have in in who we are as Christians. We can be certain about these things. And so we looked at last week that we know what a Christian is. We know who we are in Christ. Uh, The second one we looked at is we know who Jesus is. And, and that's holy God and holy man. Um, and now we're going to look at this week how, uh, how to pray with confidence. And we know that we can pray with confidence and we know how we're supposed to act as Christians. And then also the, just the truth of who God is. So we're going to look at those three this morning and we're going to start right in chapter, or verse 14. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask. And he will, oh, sorry. And he will give him life for those who commit sins not not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. 
Man, what a rich piece of text to just end our letter today. And so the first thing we're gonna look at is, is uh, just right in verses 14 through 17, where John really gives us this confidence of how to pray. And just right in verse 10, it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And I want to just go back one verse, go back to verse 13, because I think that goes right hand in hand with this one. It says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son, in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So we see the verse before telling us that we can have confidence as Christians that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. He kind of continues with that theme of, well, now you have confidence you not only have confidence in knowing who Jesus is and the eternal life, that promise that's given to us if we believe in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, but now you can have confidence in the fact that we have access to a God that hears us. I, man, I started getting into this, uh, just started studying this week and the Holy Spirit must have really wanted me to talk about uh, prayer this morning because I spent, uh, I'm gonna spend a good chunk of our morning just in these first two verses here, just talking about prayer and how important prayer is. How amazing is it, guys, that we worship God that loves us, that wants to hear from us. And just look at the verse. It says, we have confidence that anything, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. <clears throat> and this word confidence, um, if confidence wasn't a great enough word, uh, you can really kind of look at the Greek to it and it, it means you have, you, you're able to do this openly. You're able to do this with a freedom of speech. Uh, you're able to do this boldly with confidence. That's amazing just in itself. Let's just stop right there and just go, hey, we're able to talk to God with confidence. There's friends I have that I'm not able to talk to you with confidence. You guys know people that you just have to be really careful about what you say around them. You have to walk on eggshells around them. They're gonna, they're gonna light you up if you say the wrong thing around them or get super offended if you say the wrong thing. Praise the Lord that there's none of that when we talk to God. We don't have to walk on eggshells when we talk to God, when we pray. The word confidence means we can speak freely. I, I know there's people out here that, that we're, we get so intimidated to, to talk to God and, and we shouldn't be intimidated. We shouldn't be scared to talk to God. We don't have to do anything to have an effective, uh, an effective prayer that God hears. We just have to ask. We just have to talk to him. But we do have to ask, right? We serve a generous God who wants us to ask for his help. He wants us to rely on him and wants us to lean on him for help. He wants you to ask him. 
And this doesn't mean that we're going to get everything that we ask for. But I want you guys to just go back to verse 14. It says, if we ask for anything according to his will. Underline the word confidence, underline the word anything. I guess underline the whole thing. It's such an important verse for us to go over this morning. We should be praying about anything and everything, right? There's nothing too big or small or unimportant. God hears us. God cares about this stuff. I think it's easy for us as just people sometimes to get in our own heads and go, my problem, my, God doesn't care about my problems. You know, why would God care about something like that? That was one in high school. <laughs> we used to pray before like football games that we would win and people would go. And I was like, I don't think God really cares who wins this football game. Let's go. Maybe he doesn't care about that, but he cares about you. And if it's his will, God hears it and he'll answer it. <clears throat> like the verse Philippians 4, 6, you guys probably know it, but it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. But doesn't it feel silly to ask for prayer sometimes? For, for things that you just don't think God cares about? For things that, uh, you know, first world problem type stuff. I felt that a little bit this weekend. I was, uh, Ryan and I have been just looking into cars and just going, you know, Hey, my family's growing. My, I have four kids that are just growing like crazy. And, and we're just looking to swap up our car situation. And I just go like, it, it feels so silly sometimes to just pray to God. Hey, God, I could really use a, a different car, God. And I know I've got like two awesome, just blessed with two awesome vehicles. But God, would you just do that for me? That feels so silly to say. It feels so silly to say that. It's like, how goofy do I sound? How prideful do I sound asking for God to help me find a new vehicle? When I've, when I've got one, I'm, I've already been blessed by that. But I think God wants to hear those. He says, pray for anything and everything. And again, I think where we boil down to, we got to look at the part that it says, your will. And we got to be able to say, if it's not your will, God, it's not for me. God, if it lines up with your will, I'm asking you to make it happen. If it doesn't line up with your will, I, I don't want anything to do with it. What's funny yesterday is, you know, as we went and looked at vehicles, I had two vehicles on my list that I was looking at one up in Salem and, and one here in Albany. And, and we were up in Salem and, and I drove into the car lot. And as I pulled in the car I was looking at was driving out. <laughs> yeah. 
that's a that's my car. <laughs> I I do think that's a no. Yeah, that's. I and I pulled in there and he was like, yeah, we sold that twenty minutes ago. I was like, oh well, okay. Guess this one's not for me. Yep. And it, later in the afternoon, I went down to uh to Lassen here in town and uh, and actually the same thing happened. Honestly, I passed the same car as I was pulling in. And I drove in there and and they were like, well, it's not sold yet. It's just on a test drive. And it's like, okay, I'll wait it out. And and it ended up working out. So praise the Lord for that. God answered the prayer and and I got a new set of wheels. Super sad about my Durango though. So um But I guess the point I'm making here is it's it's okay to ask for stuff like that. And God wants us to ask for stuff. God wants us to ask for anything and everything. What he doesn't want you to do is uh is try to force it when you're not when his will's not being done, when you're not hearing from God. Verse 15 says, <clears throat> and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And again, kind of goes back to we have to ask. I think there's times where we just go, well, God knows our needs. God knows my needs. I don't need to ask him. That might be true, but he, he also, he still wants you to ask. He still wants you to take the time and go, God, I need you. God, I want your help. I want your guidance through this. Maybe he does know your needs, but I, it says we still need to ask. Still needs, we still need to ask him for what we need, for what we want. You ever seen the people, and, and I know some of the people in this room, they, they just go, I, you know, I don't really pray for myself. It seems real prideful to pay, pray for myself, you know. Maybe God doesn't think it's important or I don't want to feel like I, I'm self-righteous and just praying for myself all the time. But what's funny about that is that seems prideful in itself, don't you think? It's prideful when you aren't putting your trust in God. It's prideful and defiant and disobedient when you're not praying for things that that you want God to do when you're not asking God for help. God asks us to ask him. God tells us to ask him. And so for you to say, oh, I'm not gonna, you know, I just, I'll pray for other people, but I, I don't really pray for myself. Knock it off. But what really, what prayer boils down to here is it's about faith. Prayer's about trusting in God. That you can ask him for something and be confident that he heard you. Be confident that he heard you, but then leave the timing and the details up to him. I think that's where we run into the issue, right? Like some of us sometimes end up praying like 
we're on like a Shark Tank deal or something. The point of prayer isn't to persuade God to do your will. The point of prayer is to align yourselves with God's will. This idea that, you know, God, I've got a plan and it's a pretty great plan, God. And I'm here to tell you why this morning you should, you should back my plan. Shark Tank. Don't pray like you're on Shark Tank. Align your will and the, uh, your will and your agenda up with God's. That's the point of prayer. But how cool is that concept that we can just pray confidently? That we can just so much just say, God of the universe, help me with my little tiny problem. And God hears that. Verse 16 says, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin and there is sin not leading to death. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. That's a, that's a pretty weird bit of scripture there. Um, it's a bit of scripture that you just go, well, John, what, you know, what is John talking about exactly here? This is something that as I studied and looked up, it's, it's, it's a little bit debated what it means. Which goes, John, you're, sit, you're sitting here saying, that there's sin leading to death, but there's sin not leading to death. But we know that all sin leads to death. The Bible tells us that. But he says, don't pray for your brother who sins, but don't pray for your brother whose sins lead to death. And so it's easy to just go, what What the heck is he talking about here? And again, there's a few different, uh, few different theories and studies out there that, that people uh, have have guessed, and, and we may never know until we just go to heaven and, and find out what John meant by this. But uh, one thing that I read and studied and, and seems to make some sense to me is that John wasn't talking about spiritual death here, but a physical death. If you guys remember, there's places in the Bible where God just called people home. First, after they sinned. That's kind of a wild concept to think about, right? But I don't put it past God to, to just do that and say, hey, I think, it's, I think it's time for you to just come home. But John saw people like that. They literally just fell over dead. John heard stories about that. Um, and we see it in 1 Corinthians when... Uh, you guys remember in 1 Corinthians where people were taking communion and it says that uh, they were taking communion in an unholy manner and that they went to sleep. Well, they, they died. Um, you guys remember back in Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the apostles and lied to God about they went and sold some of their property and said, we're giving it all to the church. We gave it all to the church. 
when in fact they had kept some of it for themselves. And, and they lied. And the Bible says they just fell over dead right there. And again, that's just, uh, that's just one scholar's opinion. There's a few others floating around out there that, that make sense too. But you just go, I think what we can take away from this for certain is that it's pretty certain that when we see a brother or sister in Christ sinning, when we see them struggling, one of the best things we can do for them is, is pray for them. Surround them in prayer. Lift them up. Help them out. Don't judge them. Don't go and alert others. Don't get caught up in gossip. It does, the Bible doesn't say that you need to go tell the rest of the church about their sin. Don't get caught up in those games. But one of the biggest ways we can love our brother and sister, which again, if you guys have been here through our study of 1 John, I haven't said it enough times. Love your brother and sister has been the theme through this. The, one of the biggest ways we can love somebody is, is to just lift them up in prayer and pray for them and surround them and say, how can I help you with this sin? How can I help you overcome this sin? Let's pray about this. You can, you can come talk to me. You can come confide in me. This is the beauty of the church. This is why I'm up here most Sunday mornings telling you guys, get involved in home churches. Come to prayer group on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights at 6. Wednesday nights at 6. 9.30. Um, this is the reason we have to be in each other's lives. This is the reason we do life together. This is the reason that God says, Christians, you need to be around each other so we can help each other out, so we can hold each other accountable, where we can walk each other through these problems that we're having. <clears throat> we need to pray confidently. We can pray confidently. We know that we can pray confidently for anything and everything according to his will. And we also need to pray for each other. <clears throat> I was thinking about this and, and just, again, really just stuck on just how awesome it is. We have just this access to God that's, I mean, we don't even have access to people like we have access to God. It's crazy. But just kind of marveling at the fact that God heard us cry out to him even when we weren't saved. And even when we weren't part of his family, God heard us. And so you can bet that now that you're part of his family, now that you're a child of God, he's listening to you and he hears you. The next point, uh, verse 18, is we see that we know how a Christian acts. It says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one.
John reminds us again this morning that here as Christians, we're not under the control of Satan. We're not to practice a lifestyle of sin. He says, this is how you're supposed to act. I've told you this in my letter over and over again. You guys know it, but I want you to be sure. You're not under the control of Satan. You're not supposed to be practicing this lifestyle of sin. And again, we look back at the beginning of 18. It says, whoever is born of God does not sin. And it's that same sort of translation that, that definitely means practicing sin. Because we see John early in the letter say that everybody sins. So he's not talking about being perfect. He's talking about that lifestyle of practicing sin. Living a life of sin. Unrepentant sin. But we're not to practice that lifestyle of sin, John tells us. We're not of sin. We're not of practicing sin. We're, we're of resisting sin, resisting temptation. And we are not of this insane world. That's, that's who Satan's got control over is the world. We as Christians are exempt from that. And John wants us to know that. That's, that's a lot of the whole reason he's writing this letter. He wants us to know that. He doesn't want us to fall for the traps of this world. The world continues to get crazier and crazier. You guys seen some of the stuff going on around here? It's insane. And there's a lot of things in the world that should make us stop and just go, I I don't really want anything to do with that. This, the world we live in, it, it just gets farther and farther away from a biblical worldview. It's just falling farther and farther away from that as, as time goes on. And, and that shouldn't surprise us. The Bible says that this is going to happen. It just means we're getting closer to Jesus's return. So in a theory, when we see these things happen, say, I don't want anything to do with those. And I, it's so scary that we have to live in this world sometimes, but also like, pretty excited that just means Jesus is closer. Jesus is closer to coming back. But Satan might have control over this world, but our scripture says that the wicked one does not touch us. Uh, Also can be translated to cling to us, to hold on to us. The wicked one does not possess us. Satan has no control over our lives. And that's a promise God gives us. That doesn't mean Satan's not going to try to mess with you. He's not going to try to harass you, to persecute you. Uh, The fact is Satan hates you. And he hates that you have a relationship with God. And he's going to do everything in his power to try to mess that up. Uh, Fortunately for us, he doesn't have a lot of power over us. And John's telling us here, we just, we can't fall for the, the world's trap. We have to continue to stay strong in our, in our walk with God. We have to continue to practice righteousness. Practicing righteousness means we're going to be in the word of God. We're going to read our Bibles. 
We're going to obey God's commandments. We're going to have a solid prayer life. We're going to fellowships and connect ourselves with the body of Christ and not the outside world. We have the tools to do it. We're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, discern things through the Holy Spirit. We have the tools to resist sin, but it's, it's through Jesus. It's not, if you guys were here last week, I talked about this. It's, it's not because of the power we have, not because we can try harder. It's because we can put our faith in Jesus. Only Jesus is capable of breaking those chains of sin. Verse 20, we know the truth. And, and just the last two verses here as we, as we wrap this morning, um, we're just gonna see John just reassure us of the truth we have in the word of God, the truth we have uh, in Jesus Christ. Verse 20, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. John's reminding us of what the truth is here. The truth is Jesus. A true understanding of God is not something that can be found uh, in any other book besides the Bible. It's not going to be found in our own understanding of, uh, you know, I don't care how many years you went to college or seminary. Uh, it's not in your IQ. It's not through what every academic study that you can take. It's not through your own understanding. It's an understanding of God that comes through Jesus. Do you guys see that? Verse 20, it, it says it plain and clear. He's not, I mean, John's just speaking so clearly here that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, the true God and eternal life. It's through him that we are in him. Jesus Christ is the, the truth and the eternal life that we need to turn to, that we need to focus on. Uh, and no matter what the Gnostics say, the people that John were fighting against or uh, the false teachers that we struggle with now, no matter what the world tells us, these new world views that you can find peace and happiness in other places besides Jesus, it's all fake or temporary. The only joy and happiness that, that's everlasting is a, a joy that comes in Jesus Christ. And there's no other way to an eternal life and a true God than Jesus Christ. John doesn't mix words about that. And so, I, you know, I don't, I don't know where these people get that you, there's, multiple ways to heaven. 
Again, you can't go to heaven for just being a good, a, a good person because nobody's good. That's what the Bible says. So you're already, if you think you're a good person, you're, you're not. But that, it's that faith in Jesus is the only way. That's the truth. If you get anything out of John's letter, that's the truth. I don't want you to know. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. A fellowship with God is, is what matters. He just signs off his letter uh, in verse 21 by saying, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. What a sign off. Idolatry and false religions, uh, they've been a threat since the beginning of Jesus Christ, even before, all the way back to Genesis, we dealt with idols, idolatry. It's not a new thing we face today, but it's here today. And we need to avoid anything that's going to distract us from growing closer to God, anything that's going to separate our relationship from God, anything that we're giving more importance to in God, that's an idol. It's so easy to get caught up in, in things of the world. It's so easy to get caught up in things and just go, uh, you know, and skip. I can skip prayer and Bible study today for, uh, you know, I got to get to work a little bit early or, you know, whatever it is. It can be healthy things or bad things. Fitness, work, TV, binge watching Stranger Things. It just be, it, I mean, you name it. If you're putting it above your love and devotion to God, it, it's a, it's not good. It's not good. And so, just be careful as we go th- throughout our day that that we're not, we're not putting things above God. It's awesome to have cool things. It's awesome to have awesome opportunities but they shouldn't put us before God. Shouldn't put those things before God. <clears throat> As we close this morning, I, I want to just in, invite you guys up to, uh, to have communion. As Maddie and Cassie sing, and, and we just spend some time worship and responding, uh, I'm going to invite my prayer team to come up. And uh, I just want you guys to just spend some time with, with Jesus this morning. Spend some time with God. Talk to him. Pray to him. Ask him something that maybe you've needed to ask him for a while. Reflect on what a good God he is this morning. Communion is just a time where we remember what Jesus Christ did for us. The bread being the body and the juice being the blood. Just take some time this morning to just reflect on, on, on God's glory, on these confidences that we have as Christians to just go, man, I'm a child of God. And that means so much. That means so much. That's not just something that I say lightly, but it comes with not only eternal life in Jesus Christ, but, uh, but I've got access to just ask him for things. I've got access to talk to him. 
He wants to hear from me. God doesn't get tired from hearing from you. We know the truth. We know who we are. We've got, we've got so much that we gain from having this relationship with Christ. Christ. 